Welcome everybody, this is the Splinter Talk Show back in action, long time no see, episode 16. It's been about two, three weeks, uh, we had one week before NFT NYC, so all of NFT NYC I went last week was like a very last minute thing that happened. So the week before I was cramming to get things done ready before going, last week I was gone. And now we're back. So it's been three weeks, but thank you guys for being here. Uh, Jim, Tales from the Cryptomancer. Uh, Steve was going to be on. Unfortunately, his wife got ill or sick for today, I guess. So Steve, we love you. Send uh, send love to the fam, but uh, hopefully we'll get you on again here soon. But Jim, we'll start with you since it's been a few weeks. Yes. I don't remember the last time you were on. I, you you might have been on the last episode. Anyways, been how's it been? What's uh, What's good? What's new for you? Oh, uh, no, not really a whole lot's been been going on for me. Um, just moved, had a falling out with my landlord, <laughs> is what I like to say. Um, yeah. But all set up now in the new place, as you guys can see, Minimum Security Prison is doing wonders for me. And uh, yeah, I got my bed right there. It's It's hung up right now, so... I think it's my yeah. new favorite streaming background. I mean, remove <laughs> remove all those collectibles you had behind you before. Like, who cares? Just that wall. Mm, yeah, I miss gorgeous. those. I miss them so much. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, we can get uh, you can get some more, including uh, I don't know. Did you get a plushie? Did you grab one of those? I didn't. I didn't yeah, want it. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. R.I.P. R.I.P. Mm. Anyways, uh, thanks for being on and uh, thank, Cryptmancer. Thank Tales from the Cryptmancer. How are you doing? You creating any more uh, Splinterlands drama for us lately? Yeah, that's that seems to be the status quo these days. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, everything's good. Uh, getting lots of, I would say, uh, feedback on the videos, one way or the other. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, well, I think that's always like a good video, though, right? I mean, it's so easy to just put out the content where everyone agrees or everyone is like, well, that's obvious. But to create, I think, good discussion, that's like a fair balance approach like that. That I feel like is the real job of a, a YouTuber or social media person, right? Like that's how I feel like it should work, but often doesn't. <laughs> mm. So good job. Anything else going on in life? Anything interesting? Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've heard from you. No, everything's good. Just hanging out at the crypt. Looks a little bit like uh, Jim's background. And uh, nice. yeah, it's all good. A little darker, more cobwebs. Nice, nice. Yeah. More bats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we begin our first topic, how was your guys' end of season rewards? Because mine were junk. I mean, I, I, I got redeemed by one pack at the end, but even with the one pack, my whole season gold chests were worth like 432. And the previous season was like 1630 or something like that. So almost a fourth of what I got last season in value. How was how uh, your guys's and everyone in the chat? I'm curious. Ooh, mine was okay. It wasn't great. I definitely have had better. Um, but, you know, a couple rares, I think like two epics, not a whole lot. Yeah, sounds like me. Where's your, were your uh, gold chest as well? Oh, wait, no, I lied. I got a legendary. I got a hard foil. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> I, forgot like, oh, I forgot about the gold foil legendary that it pulled. No, it wasn't Sorry. gold foil. It was just the normal dollar hard claw. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> what about you, Cryptmancer? Anything uh, interesting you pull today's season? Um, 
Not so much. I mean, I think we pulled 54 champion chests and it was like $14. So it was Ooh. underperforming. Yeah, because average, what's the uh, champion chest average sure. estimated value? 68? Yeah, somewhere like around 50 cents maybe. So yeah, that's a, that's a bit of an underperformance for sure. <laughs> Oh, well, oh, well. Well, hopefully everyone in the chat, you guys got some better news. It looks like not a lot of people did, but 43. You you win some, you lose some. 43 cents average. 40. Oh, is there there an actual data site now that has updated information? Uh, It it has it on Splinter cards. That's all I I know about. Oh, well, they also have it on uh, SPL Exchange. .gg, SPLEX.gg, or the former Splinterlands.rentals. Mm, so you guys need to link me this in our chat. I've still been just like using old information. <laughs> That's what happens when you're gone. Speaking of which, it's been a couple weeks since I've been able to talk with you guys on the Splinter Talk show. So a couple of things I feel like that's, that's come out, a few interesting things, not like a ton of changes. Like I don't think there's as big as anything as the reward changes that we covered a couple weeks ago. But let's just start with the changes of the... Daily versus season chest now. I think that was an interesting one. You know, now we're going to be able to play with whatever you start the day with. If you start in bronze, guess what? You're earning bronze chest. If you start in gold, you're earning gold chest. doesn't matter what happens throughout the rest of the day. And then the season chests, however, still stand on where you ended last season. So mm-hmm. that's staying the same. Daily focus changing. Do you guys like that? They also mentioned some other future changes that haven't come out live yet but are coming down the road. So... What do you guys think about that announcement? Anything interesting? Any strategy change up for you guys? So, so before we continue this real quick, right? Yeah. Um, Sinister and I were on a video with Dwayne. Okay. Uh-oh. And we were talking about this stuff. Uh, it was about two weeks ago, I think. I want to say, yeah, two weeks ago. And um, pretty much the same thing came up of like, you know, do we think that this is a problem? Do we think they're going to change stuff? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it's not going to be this upcoming or it's not going to be that previous season. But I think by the end of the next season, they're going to change it. And people are like, no, you're wrong. It's way <laughs> too great. There's no problems at all. Really? People are saying that nuts. on his show? And, yeah. You guys and, must have different viewers over there because over here, everyone's like, nah, the new changes suck. And uh, and so, like, when I said this, people were like, no, there's absolutely no way. And I'm not saying I was, like, spot on, but, you know. We no, rub, rub it in their faces. It's okay, Jim. <laughs> tell, tell them how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, uh, Cryptomancer here, he was saying, like, he was giving it a little bit more time. He was playing a little safe. There you go. Oh. <laughs> well, Crypt Manson, what what did you guys think about, or what did you think about the changes? Anything interesting that stood out to you? Any change up for how you're going to be playing these games? Oh, losing you for a second. There, you still there? Uh oh, he's gone. Oh, okay. Well, just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get him back on. We'll get him back on. I don't know why it's always Cryptmancer. Is it something I did to him, you think? or Probably. He was upset you put him on the spot. Ah, bummer. <laughs> Even though that's literally why we're here. 
I mean, I think for me, the interesting thing is while we wait for Cryptmage to come back for his point, what I've been saying on stream is now with this change, I think what I'm going to be doing is actually de-ranking back into silver one instead of playing yeah. in gold, but still get gold chests while being able to play in bronze and silver tournaments. Because I don't think I'll actually get that many less season chests, probably like maybe 10 or 20, because it just gets so exponentially hard. Like once you get above 60, 70 chests, like I, I, I missed an entire five days of last season while in New York. I didn't play like hardly at all. I still only got 11 chests less than I would have gotten the, the previous season playing every single day, which kind of surprised wow. me. But at the same time, when I looked at it, it's like pretty much from like 25 to 50 is like doubling the amount of points you need. 50 to 75, like it just every like 20 chests or so is just another doubling. So I think in Silver 1, even trying to go for gold chests, I can get my silver chest daily, get a, still a decent chunk of gold chests at the end of the season, and then play in the tournaments that I can actually compete in. Because I don't know if you've, Tried playing gold tournaments, <laughs> you, Jim, or people watching, but uh, they are very difficult. I pretty much don't play in tournaments at all, <laughs> except for Brawl. Do we count Brawl as a tournament? Uh, I mean... It's like the same. I, it's a little bit setup. different. Yeah. It's a... Uh, brawl, brawl is a little bit more like, I don't know, you get to use your Brawl cards. There isn't as many tryhards, but like in tournaments... Everyone's sweaty tryhards, I feel like. Well, money's on the line, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they keep talking about guilds having money on the line here soon, but I don't know when that's actually going to come out. I, I'm really looking forward to actually SPS rewards being for guilds. I think that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. But, Jim, you never said anything that you're doing differently now. Any changes you want to... <laughs> Well, uh, I got a better bot, so like that's one thing I'm doing differently. Um, not, <laughs> I mean, not like a whole lot is changing. But are you putting your bot now in gold or diamond or like what kind of chest are you trying to aim for now? Yeah, I I tried to just um, uh, take it like as high as I could to you know just to see really where it could take me, and I mean moving me to it could take me to diamond if I wanted it to which I've been telling everyone for a while, like if you have maxed out silver cards, you you are good enough to get into diamond. You know, you can grind the ladder up there. Uh, is it going to be hard? Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, but you don't need to sink nearly as much money into it. And, um, but I'm, I think what I'm going to do is probably cap it at silver. Um... I'm going to see how this season goes with farming out gold chest in comparison to what I did last season. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just take it slow and try to really figure it out. So and you said you can push into diamond, but instead you're, you're going for silver. Is that just because you think you can get more chests in silver that will make up for not getting those better gold or diamond chests? Yeah, yeah. So I don't think I'm really able to climb above like a 3000 ELO rating. So that's, I want to say diamond one or my bad, diamond three. And um, so I won't really be able to compete well in there, but I know I'll be able to farm out a good amount of chest uh, with being in silver. So, but with this season, I'm going to see how many I can get in gold. And depending on what that number is, I'm going to, I'll either stay in silver or I'll go to gold. Yep. One of those two. 
Good strategy. Well, when you get your stats out there, let us know <laughs> what yeah, you recommend. Yeah. I think we got Cryptmancer back in the call. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Sorry about Yay. that. Having some uh, minimal security prison networking issues. Here. <laughs> that is a-okay. Well, I, I don't remember where we lost you in your point, but if you just want to kind of think back on like what is changing for you with these daily reward changes uh, or if anything at all. Uh, no, my strategy is pretty much the same this season as last season. Uh, I think it's going to be better because as I'm climbing back in the champion, I'll be able to earn diamond chests, which is good. Uh, and the season chest will still be champion. But uh, I think uh, I might have got cut off what I was saying earlier was, you know, it really took me all of this last season just to scratch and claw my way back in the champion. So the level of competition is super tough. Um, you know, I, I think I just... And I got back in earlier this morning, right before rewards. And like the previous season, I was able to climb back in, you know, with a couple of days to spare. So uh, from my side, uh, I'm seeing, you know, the competition for our shares uh, being very challenging. So now if I can earn at least on the daily side at the diamond level as I'm climbing, that's probably a good thing, honestly. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things for it's like both good for players at the top who are trying to push into champion but don't want to be stuck with the daily focus of champion but also just for players like hey i want to test out and push up to you know from bronze to silver and see what it's like or from silver to gold and if they're like oh this is really not working yeah their season chest still might be a little bit harder to achieve next season but at least it gives you some experimentation where before it's like oh well i pushed it into diamond and oh crap i can only compete in silver well now i just screwed myself for an entire two weeks so at least (laughs) at least that part is nice uh and then they also announced, what did you guys think about, I mean, we were talking about this as potential changes, but now it sounds like it's coming true. We're getting more different daily focuses, and eventually, it sounds like they, they're going for the option, whatever we said it was, like option C of, hey, play your, play your focus, you get more points, but even if you don't, you still get points. Do you guys think that's the right change? I, I think so. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Done, easy. Yep. No yeah, discussion. I mean, it's just, it just, it's right. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll have to see how it's implemented again, because I, I think it it's, there's a potential for abuse there um, with the, uh, you know, with not owning or not renting and spamming things. So we'll have to see how the math works out. Uh, so I'll say, I'll, I'll just like to reserve judgment until I see the final product. So what do you, what do you mean by exploding by spamming? You're like, Oh, I got a opportunity focus so i'm just gonna only rent regardless cards. Is that a problem gonna be problems but i think i would say overall kind of just giving you points for the focus your daily focus from playing anything uh just makes it better gameplay overall because then if you know one person's just spamming out earth well then you you and especially if you know if they're playing Lamacron, then you kind of just set it up to where you have the cards to beat Lamacron. Yeah, I, I, the reason I guess where where I'm approaching it from is, you know, the whole point of um, the daily focus and the starter card, you know, removal was to make sure that you had to either own or rent the cards to earn, you know, in the game. And now, if you can still earn 
towards your daily focus without having necessarily. I know it was kind of a loophole where you could just you know rent a splinter in the current uh, game status to spam that and then get the rewards. But now, if you if you allow for the earning of our shares and the daily focus without having the daily focus in play, you're kind of going taking a step backwards and going back to the old world where you can earn but not really. Um, you know, uh, you still have to own the cards or rent the cards, but now you're again leaving a loophole. And the, and the reason I say that is because, like with with Archmage Bot, like you can spam um, the bot to run like let's say four four times four battles an hour. hour. You can you can burn your ECR down to like twenty six twenty seven percent basically into the ground at that point. And yeah, you might not get maximum R shares, but every battle you win, you're still getting something. And because the bot can run 24-7, 365, even if it's not at 100% or you know somewhere in the 90s or 80s, it still doesn't matter because you're always earning. So when I when I see that you can earn and not necessarily have a focus or um, anything like that, it, it, for me, it's, it seems like it could be a loophole for not necessarily Archmage, but just bots in general to spam and earn rewards that they really shouldn't be earning. Uh, I think it might have a negative impact on the, uh, the rental market as well. I'm curious on your thoughts. So how is that different from now? Because can't a bot just take, Hey, I have an earth splinter and I'm going to spam earth over and over and over again. So is that, I guess if that's a problem that's going to happen with the no focus or you can earn without the focus, how is that different from now with people or bots spamming? Hey, I'm just going to play the same focus over and over again. Well, because you're still earning. Yeah, what's what's going to happen is now they're just going to get optimized neutral cards and certain cards that aren't splinter or focus specific, and just rent those. And even though if they earn a reduced share, they're not going to have to change anything up, right? So in the past, you know, they might have to change every day or every other day a rental focus and rent different things. Now they can just rent whatever's optimal, whether it's neutral or you know whatever, and they'll still be able to earn. So, so again, just in in just pure game theory terms, it's you know possibly exploitable. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it is potential for bots to have an advantage in that, but I also think it's nice for players in general because I think one of the hard parts about having all these daily focuses is that before this, you could really get away with like, hey, I'm going to focus on building up maybe two or three decks. Like, hey. I don't have the money to buy six different level gold level max decks, right? But what I can do is I can get, hey, I really like death. I really like earth. I'm going to go and run those two teams and build up a gold level deck first through that. And I think now removing the fact that you don't have to have all six splinters is healthier for players. I, yeah, I am curious to see how that affects bots going forward. But I do think it's nice to just be like, hey, instead of just spreading yourself thin, you can really kind of be a specialized player and you know you'll still have the problem of okay not every match you can use all six elements so there might be a match or two where you don't have a deck that can be played at that level but it'll i think it'll give you a more chance to be specialized in one area or maybe two or three decks which will be nice for players trying to get into the game yeah i would say overall gameplay uh it it makes it a better choice to give you something for winning with any deck well, uh, I think the other big change, right, is that uh, now I'm losing my train of thought. Let's just—I <laughs> mean, uh, let's just let's just jump into the spicy conversation because I see people had already mentioned it. But 
Jim, it's it's your fault. You brought up the bot here, and then you know, Critmancer <laughs> brought up the bot again. So, I, I think we should just jump into it because I think that's what everyone wants to talk about, and I'm very curious to get your guys' thoughts as well. Uh, Critmancer, you you brought up a video where an Archmage bot player was number one in champion, at least for a day or two, right? So, t- talk to us about that for a little bit. Like, what did you find doing that video? So. You know, I think what's interesting, and I, you know, just for, I guess, uh, a disclaimer, I think uh, both Jim and I are using Archmage bot right now. Uh, I have I have uh, one bot running um, and, I, you know, I think, Jim, you have at least one as well. So, you know, from that perspective, I do have experience with it. And I guess my my take on the whole um, bot uh, discussion right now is that for Archmage specifically, which which I consider like a premium bot or a um, uh, really a battle focus kind of asset focus bot, is that um, there's really no way to I would say determine or know that you're using the bot because the what the bot is doing is basically what I was doing previously manually by hand using um, my battle history and like a tool like Splinter Board. Um, But I was doing it much slower and with a much smaller set of data. Um, So all all Archmage Bot is doing is basically the same thing I was doing manually, but doing a better job of of it, period. So from that perspective, whether I was doing that or whether the bot was doing it, there's no way for the game to really detect it. Um, and we're doing the same thing. It's just that the bot's doing it better and faster, right? So from that perspective, I don't think there's any way that Splinterlands or really um, any game in this space could really truly police bots. Um, so I think, you know, from that perspective, it'd be a losing battle to try and combat it. I think what the team needs to do is what they've been doing. It's focusing on making sure that there aren't exploits for bots, whether they're you know, a bot that's like a premium bot like Archmage, or is it, if it's something like, you know, the bots that have the, the 10,000 bot farms out there in the ecosystem that are just farming rewards at the lower levels. So Challenge. as long as they can make, yeah, I mean, as long as they can make it so that the bots play with the same rules that humans play with, and there's a balance in the ecosystem and the macro economy, then from that perspective, I think it's fine. And, and that's the best you can hope for. I will also say that when I was doing kind of research around, you know, bots and the leaderboard and, um, you know, what what I found was, um, you know, I think there's probably a long history of bots being used at the highest levels of the game in the leaderboards, just it was never spoken about or really commonly known. And again, because you can't really detect what this bot is doing necessarily because it's not like a bot farm it's like maybe one or two you know accounts that are optimally run and using you know great uh selection choices for their teams um so i think what what a bot like archmage does is it opens up to basically you know the krill crew and basically anyone who wants to use the token um, cause it's publicly available and for use uh, eventually. Like I know they have limits on what's available right now cause it just came out of closed beta, but you know, in the past, I think it's very reasonable to think that there were other privately owned bots that were operating the leaderboard 
that um, you or I would never have access to otherwise. So from that perspective, I think it's a more even playing field. Yeah, I think the it's just such a different discussion because before bots were, it's always an economic thing. Like, oh, there's massive bot farms. They're getting tens of thousands of accounts and getting all these rewards. To me, I've just come to the conclusion that I don't really care enough about that because, you know, they they really help the economy at this point. Like, they're if you take them away, like it's going to have some big repercussions and whatever. But this is almost an interesting flip side of that of, okay, the team has said, we don't really care if bots are raking in rewards as long as they're putting stuff into the system. However, we don't want bots to have a distinct advantage over humans. And so that's why I'm curious. You guys have used this bot. Do you guys feel like this bot now has, like, it's just going to be able to beat humans? Maybe not every time, but you know, 60, 70% of the time, whereas those bot farms, they don't care what their win rate is. They could have a 30% win rate and still be raking in rewards. But now they're climbing on leaderboards and this is publicly being out thrown out there. Maybe as you said, Cryptmancer, people were doing this already before, but now it's like, okay, this service is out there. Anyone can use it. And people have been saying I'm using it and I'm on the leaderboard. Do you guys think that's a, a distinct advantage for the bot? Or is it just the fact that they have so many good cards and you know, they probably would have been on the leaderboard anyways. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure I can maybe... Cards. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I think you're right, Jim. It's, it, you know, with the research that I was able to do, I mean, to get on the leaderboard, you had to have the assets to get you on the leaderboard. So if you look at um, Infinity or you look at Imposter, which were the, you know, the number one and number two champion rank leaderboard positions, at least as of yesterday, you know, when at, at a point in time when they're both using Archmage, the assets associated with those accounts at the time they were on the top board were like huge, like either whether they were rented or owned, it was significant dollars and like, you know, two, two million CP worth of cards. So it's not like you can um, magically climb to the leaderboard, you know, with one B6 cards, you have to have the assets behind the bot. Um, all the bot is doing is helping to make optimal decisions on team compositions. Um, so from that perspective, from an economic perspective, it's checking all the boxes of what the team is looking to do. The bigger question I think that you might be getting to Luke is, you know, what does it mean if, you know, the top 20 collections in the game all use Archmage bot as an example, and it's all automated. And then it's just, you know, you know, is it just the bigger collection wins? And it's hard to say because, you know, if everyone has max, you know, champion level decks that are in the leaderboard using this, the service, then what happens? But here's what I would, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the bigger question is, you know, raise your hand in the audience and on stream here if you're competing for one of those top leaderboard spots. I know I'm not. Uh, I think nope. it's a very small, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, you know, maybe 150 people in the game total right now. It's, it's a very small number that we're, we're really talking about here. So a lot of the comments, what I found interesting is a lot of the comments on my video, uh, videos, I should say, uh, talking about this type of topic recently you know were all comments from people that necessarily weren't um let's say directly influenced or impacted you know by the finding necessarily it was more comments of how they felt you know 
um, not let's say morally, but more from a philosophical perspective around what was happening to the game that, you know, they obviously have a vested interest in. Yeah, well, I think that's that's one of the big issues, right? It's more perception maybe than the actual problem. As you said, like, I'm not competing on a leaderboard, so I don't care for like my... I'm not going to get screwed out of the 20,000 DEC on the silver leaderboard because I'm not going to be there anyways. But I think it's it's a perception thing as well of like, okay, if the top players in this game and if people are viewing as top players in ranked mode, then, you know, what does it say that a, a bot is beating out someone like Bulldog that's popular or whatever, you know? It's like, I don't know, Jim, you've played a lot of card games, not MTs, offline, right? And like, imagine what is it, like a Magic the Gathering tournament and... It's this player against a bot, you know, and then you know this bot is going to beat it four out of five ten or four out of five times because it just has all this knowledge. I mean, like, can you imagine what why would people watch that or go anymore? Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Uh, magic's also so complex. You really couldn't program a bot to win like 80 percent of the time. It's kind of. Especially since there's no deck in Magic right now. Uh, in terms of modern, I don't know about other formats, uh, well, older formats, but there's nothing that's just like a tier zero deck, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe that's part of the problem is that Splinter Lines is just not complex of a game enough, so it is that easy to bot. And, you know, I know the team have talked about that. Like, hey, when land comes out and there's the weapons and spell casting... But even then, I think the way that it's set up, I still think it's still going to be programmable at that point, even with that second layer. I don't yeah. know, only time will tell. I, I kind of see Splinterlands kind of like how chess is. So if you if you guys aren't aware, um, if going first in chess, you set up a bot to go against another bot it will always win every single game because it knows every possible move that you can make in chess and against every single possible uh, answer that they do to your move and white, the white bot versus the black bot will always win the game because going first in chess, you kind of have like a 55% chance to win. So you start bringing in players into it. There's no possible way for them to know every single possible outcome of chess, uh, but these bots are able to do it. So right. I kind of see it being like that. Right. And so the problem becomes maybe Archmage is only, I don't know what the win rate is. What are you guys getting? Like 60, 70%? Yeah, it's up there. So, yeah, I mean, that's not not, you know, like game crushing, but imagine if it keeps getting better and better and reads more data and more data, it becomes 90%. And of course, there's going to be ways to counter if you know what the bot can play. And maybe you can think of a counter to what you know a bot is going to play. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, then the bot learns how to counter the counter and counter. And you just kind of keep going back and forth, I feel like. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. It's again, it's not so much the, the leaderboard prizes. And, you know, one of the things is, I think that the perception is wrong that, that that the ranked players are the best players in the game. I kind of wish, that, honestly, they would just get rid of leaderboard prizes in general. And because I feel like the leaderboard becomes a lot more about who can just play the most amount of games. Whereas in a tournament, every single match matters. And so I'd rather see a system of like, hey, 
there's a season long tournament. Maybe you play a couple matches a day. It's a Swiss format. As you win, you move up. If you lose, you kind of move down in each bracket. And then that really is the winner of champion that season or the winner of silver that season. Instead of, hey, guess what? I played 900 games in silver and I have a really strong deck. Guess what? I, <laughs> I want enough games to be number one on the leaderboard. So that's that's part of the problem is like the perception of, hey, this player was champion and they didn't finish champion one. I think they finished like 15 or something. But it's that perception of, oh, our best player in the game for a moment was a bot. And I just don't think there's that many people that like that idea specifically. I don't know, Cryptmancer, do you agree? Does that bother you at all? I, I know that a lot of people did in your comments. Yeah, I, I think also a maybe a bigger question is, you know, you've been we've been talking about it from a rank rewards perspective. Um, but I think the bigger question is how it might affect tournaments, because I think yeah. that's kind of where, you know, the line needs to be drawn, I think, to some degree, because um, and I think it will with time, with the whole esports work that Weird Beard is doing, you know, with at least from a high dollar or high visibility tournaments, like talking about the KYC aspect of that. Now, again, there's there's still no way to necessarily police it. Um, you know, the I don't know, even if they could, um, you know, prevent the submission of the team from a bot, you could, in theory, still run the bot on the side and say, hey, here's here's the uh, out, you know, here's the scenario. Here's the mana. You know, what's the best team I should put in? Right. So they could you know run it as like a tool locally. Right. So from that perspective, Again, I don't know if there's any way to eliminate it other than to do in-person events or something similar to that, like we'll have at like likely Splinterfest. But again, that's that's maybe a discussion for Weirbeard and the team to tackle as things grow. But I do th think that is the area that has the most risk. Um, because like you said earlier when you led with a question to Jim is, you know, would you want to do a Magic the Gathering tournament against a bot? It just wouldn't make sense. Uh, rank battle is one thing. It's a game mode, right, that we can understand how that could be used. But tournaments just seems like it's kind of like sacred ground where it really shouldn't, shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the key. And I know Weirdbeard has mentioned KYC tournaments, but even as you said, just because you have a KYC doesn't mean they know that person isn't using a you know, specialized bot to help win matches. So that is going to be interesting. I think they should, in theory, at least make a rule. I know they're not against bots and rank play. That's fine. I'm I've accepted that. Like I'm beyond caring if there's bots and rank play. But I think you're right in this in the sense of I think they need to put their foot down for tournaments, as you said, and at least make it a rule. Maybe it's hard to judge if people are using bots, but if, if at least there's a threat of like that, that's a lot of esports games that are done online, right? Like you can talk about like amateur League of Legends scene or whatever you want to say. There's people that have cheated, got caught eventually. And guess what? They're banned for life from that league. It's like that serious so that the threat is big enough that at least people are discouraged from doing it. Maybe the people still do it every once in a while. But you're instead of inviting everyone, hey, use your bots. We don't care. I think there needs to be some sort of like, hey, we're not going to allow bots, at least in tournaments, or at least these specific tournaments, we're going to crack down on it and make sure that it's protected and there's integrity to it. Because if there's just a world where it's the bots are in every single play and they're always winning, then it's just going to demoralize people from wanting to play anymore. I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. 
don't Jim, do you agree with that or? Yeah, it's, it's also the same problem. Uh, well, cheating problem with CSGO as well. People using aim bonds. People have done this on uh, main stage events for CSGO and have gotten caught. How do uh, they do it on a main stage event? Look, so there's an on-running gag, okay? So, like, this dude had a, a TXT. It was a TXT folder or file uh, on a USB that he brought. And uh, it was really a programmed bot that he pretty much installed on the computer. And uh, people found out about it, and he tried to delete it before <laughs> the oh people God. got to him, but he wasn't able to. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, there's always been cheating in esports. It's just now. If you're not cheating, are you really trying, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, esports have been facing this for a long time, and it's no different. I mean, esports have tournament prizes. It's just the fact that now we're talking about crypto prizes. It's really yeah. no different. So, yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that's for certain games using blockchain technology, it will actually maybe reveal easier who's cheating but in Splinterlands, as you guys said it's kind of hard and people mention things like splinter tools i don't know I've, i feel like a bot like archmage that's doing a lot better is even more of an advantage than splinter tools i i've never really felt like splinter tools is actually that much like a, a game changer i don't know for, for me it feels different but you guys have used archmage have you guys used the splinter tools thing before to try mm. to win matches do you guys feel like it's different i never personally used it no yeah, again, it's it's different levels. So Splinter Tools is still manual, right? So you still have to go in and create the team yourself. And it'll tell you based on the team that you're entering kind of what your quote win percentage is. But that, well, that was always uh, fallible, right? Because it's it's giving you a percentage based on what it knows. And, you know, there'd be chances where I'd get like a 0% chance to win and I would win and vice versa where I'd have a hundred percent chance and lose. Um, so the data there was, you know, take it with a grain of salt, what you get with, with the, the data. But in this case, the difference here with like a bot, like an archmage is that again, the, the data that it's collecting and it's using is, quite optimized um and it's doing it for you versus you constructing it manually and saying hey what are my chances kind of it's kind of like with splinter tools it's kind of like you have a little magic eight ball that you shake before you submit your team and say well am i gonna you know are things looking good here and uh whereas archmage just basically says here run with this and you know you're likely to win so yeah and i think that's probably where i i draw the line and again I don't know, maybe final statements here if you guys have any other ideas. My final statement is ranked play. I don't really care. I do wish they would change the leaderboards so it's not who just plays the most matches and that's who's determined as the best player because I do think that favors bots in a lot of ways. And then thirdly, some way, somehow, they need to crack down bots being used in tournaments. I don't know, anything you guys would add to that as a final statement or disagree at all? I'm... I perfect i'd be perfectly fine with uh bots not being allowed in tournaments makes sense to me cryptmancer yeah. any other final thoughts there yeah no i agree I, I think that is the case and i think um you know archmage is you know not said that they will do anything with tournaments I, again i think the development team behind the, the tool that we're specifically speaking of right now 
is uh, you know has the ecosystem and the game's best interests you know at heart. They're not trying to come in and and uh, you know wreck the game or wreck tournaments or anything like that. So I think from that perspective, at least we have a good actor um, versus again in the past. You know, this was kind of hush-hush type stuff that no one really knew about. And, you know, they probably kept it that way for a reason, right? So at least in this in this regard, I think at least, you know, we have visibility to it. And uh, again, I, I think it's something that needs to, to be addressed moving forward, how it gets addressed, you know, we'll have to see. I just had a funny idea. Uh, yeah. so, so I see people talking about you know, ban the bots, you know, get rid of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh, maybe in like 100, 200 years, AI bots are going to be walking around us, you know, wanting to participate in everyday activities as well. And then we're going to have a civil rights movement for AI and bots mm -hmm. and how they shouldn't be banned in tournaments against <laughs> human players. <laughs> Maybe you're right, Jim. Maybe we are just not thinking of future enough. Maybe really the future Times of change. The, the the future of sports and esports is that we just watch bots being programmed. We don't yeah. actually like why do you need humans? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wasn't there some boxing movie that had a uh, Wolverine in it? And he was like moving around with some uh, mechanical boxing thing. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I mean, you can just have, you know, robots play football. I mean, really, if you think about it, there's a lot of horse racing games coming out in NFT gaming. Those are just bots running around that we say that we own and bet on, right? I mean, I don't know, man. We're just not thinking futuristic enough, yeah. guys. Let's yeah, just only not. have bots. Down yeah. with the humans. Down We're with not the 200 humans. IQ yet, are we? Huh. Guess not. <laughs> We're just behind the times. Like the next generation after us, they're like, what? Humans played sports and esports? That's so lame. They what suck. Are you boomers? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, Maybe maybe we're old thinking, but I think a lot of people are. So I think that's really something the team needs to to figure out because I think it's more so. My my fear isn't bots taking rewards for me. My fear is more and more players see how prevalent bots are. We we're talking about bots all the time. We already saw in Cryptmancer your video. There's a lot of people that commented like, "Hey, this this is awful. This is why I left the game, or I'm leaving the game, or maybe it will prevent new players." And that's. That's more so what I think needs to change is the perception so that people don't see it as, oh, this is the bot game, so I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. Who knows? Well, let's talk about something else. How about for a moment? Um, a little more fun discussion, maybe a little more good news discussion. I don't know. Do you guys see it as good news? But the SPS airdrop ending very soon, less than a month I want to get you guys' hot takes. How will things change? How soon will we see SPS <laughs> at five dollars? Uh, anything you guys are thinking about or doing differently it's, now that airdrops coming to a close? Honestly, I think it's kind of sad. Because uh, how I'm thinking about it, right, is like, you know, I was pretty much here from the beginning of the airdrop, and just like where the journey has taken me you know meeting luke meeting sinister meeting Dwayne, doing the uh the zen sports tournament cast with luke and so it's you like, left out steve's name uh who are you st steve are you are you still in a fight with him <laughs> no i i left out a lot of people's <laughs> names <laughs> <Just joking>. <laughs> continue continue and uh <laughs> and um so it's just like 
kind of coming to an end of a some chapter that was like I was keeping track of every single day, essentially, along with this uh, with this airdrop. And uh, it's kind of like a, a chapter's closing in its book. Yeah, it's like it's like a sad memorial for yeah. our daily claim. We won't be able to hit the daily claim. I mean, we hit, hit it on our staking. What? <laughs> Isn't that a trip? Uh, what am I going to do for like five minutes every morning now? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have <laughs> nothing to do. Oh, uh, answer, save us here. Um, anything that I, I guess I want to hear your takes. Like, what are the biggest factors that will change for Splinterlands now that airdrops coming to a close? Yeah, I think it's significant. I would almost say that there's going to be, like as Jim mentioned, a chapter known as essentially, uh, you know, airdrop and AAD or after airdrop because the game is significantly going to change in like 20 odd days. Um, now, I wouldn't even try and guess where things are going to go here because a lot of it's going to be influenced by what the devs do once the airdrop ends. Uh, you know, do they immediately introduce staked SPS rewards into the game when the airdrop ends? Um, stuff like that. I mean, we, we just don't know what levers are going to be pulled. And the market can react in a lot of different ways once that timer hits zero. You know, we've got the DEC uh, value pegged. You know, we can see a lot of Chaos Legion packs maybe opened or bought based on those those airdrop points not being you know worth anything essentially. So all bets are off. I think anyone who tries to predict what's going to happen is just you know just a guess. Um, so. You know, I, I wouldn't try and say this is, I think, what's going to happen. I will just say it's going to be, like I said, a whole new era, you know, an AAD, you know, uh, piece of Splinterlands history that's coming up. Um, what I will say, though, for sure, that's going to be different is, and, and Aggie's mentioned it on the town hall several times, is that, um, you know, SPS in theory should get a lot harder to get and obtain um, right now, there's been a gravy train for the last year, especially for all the OG players, which I'm not one of those. But um, they've been literally getting, in some cases, hundreds of dollars shipped to them daily that they just have to wake up and click a button. And those days are ending. Unless those individuals put a lot of that uh, SPS into nodes, you know, the free SPS train is is stopping. And what does that mean for the game's economy when all of a sudden money's not growing on trees, literally, right? Uh, and you actually have to take money out of your bank account and deposit it into the game. So I think that's going to be interesting to see what happens with the economy and what happens with those players. Um, but yeah, that's just one aspect of, of the game that I think is going to change. But I think there's going to be a little bit of a rude awakening here very soon for people for the last year that have you know definitely had a different perspective on the game and and the uh, the prices and values in the game moving moving forward here. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that we shouldn't guess because who knows, but that's that's exactly what we do here on the Splinter Talk Show, Cryptmancer. So I think before we continue the discussion, we gotta we gotta get a game show going here. So I, I think per three of these challenges here, everyone's got to put a, a Venari Heatsmith on the line because that's that's a big deal. <laughs> I thought you were so, gonna say a gargoyle lion. No, I'm never giving away a gargoyle lion. That's that's. But way, you can I win some. Think no, about but it. I can't put those on the line. It's too dangerous. Oh. Too dangerous. So, 
First up, you guys got it. This is random prediction. This is not financial advice, except for when Jim says it, because he's always right. 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 So obviously they the day after the SPS airdrop ends, things might not shift a ton. It might take a little bit of time for things to catch up and change. So let's go predictions for end of August here. Okay. First one. Uh, let's let's go high or low SPS ten cents, Jim. Ooh. Will, will it make the climb, especially with Bitcoin at eighteen k right now or twenty k now? <laughs> uh, I don't. So here's the t- here's the tough part, right? So it'll also be around that time that uh, we still get or that we're starting to get SPS from the nodes as well. So some people will still have daily SPS airdrop coming in, essentially. Um, do I so think going low? essentially going to, I don't think lower than 10 cents. I th- I'll say lower than 10 cents. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's going to be, we're, and we're saying end of August. End of August. Yeah. I will say lower than 10 cents. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, throw out a random number because we might need a tiebreaker. We might all say low. Oh, man. Uh, okay. I'll say cent. like, I'll say like, you ready for it? Yeah, yeah I'm ready for it. 6.9 cents. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> what a prediction. <laughs> I couldn't answer high, low. What? What is it? Well... If we're being realistic, you know, I think there the crypto market in general has a lot of choppy waters ahead of us in the near term, and I, I don't see Bitcoin um, necessarily being recovered by August. So I would I would say under ten cents because we're not decoupled from Bitcoin, unfortunately. And no matter how much good news or hopium comes our way, uh, if we're fighting the the Bitcoin headwinds, it's just not going to you know get us where we want to be. So. I would say under 10 cents. I honestly, again, not financial advice. I think that Bitcoin, the chance of Bitcoin being, let's say, 14 to 15K versus over 20K in August is probably more likely than not. Um, so I would say uh, lower and I would say three cents. Now, that's the sh- that's that's the short term. That's short term. So, so to be clear, you asked me for a prediction and I'm being realistic. That's uh, obviously long term. I'm I'm very bullish on SPS and Splinter Lands and, and think it will that's fair. You know, eventually recover. But I just don't think August is the time frame. Well, your prediction's no fun. So I'm gonna this is not what I would actually predict, but this is my heart evaluation. I'll I'll go high just because you guys are so lame. I'll say <laughs> ten point two cents. The war is gonna end, the world's gonna go back to peace, rates are going lower, Bitcoin to 50k again. SPS over 10 cents. You're hearing it here first. And when you guys see it go to the moon, come thank me. <laughs> all right. All right. End of August. Let's go to the next one. How many packs will be sold? How many packs? How many legendary summoners are we going to have by the end of August? You guys think? I'll say, uh, what are we at right now? Almost eight. No, almost nine. I'll say nine and a half mil. That's it. I don't think it's gonna be. Whoa. I don't think it's gonna be a lot. Whoa! Cryptomancer, so. save Jim. What's your prediction? Give us a better one than uh, that. He stole my prediction. What? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Grandmaster Wraith will will be out, but um, I don't think uh, uh, I don't think we'll be 
much past 9.5 but obviously it's again it's you know i know we've seen aggie's kind of chart and we've looked at the history with untamed and stuff like that i just think we're in a different a different realm and a different ballpark from a timing perspective and also just from a a player perspective what when we saw the numbers that Commander Chaos had released with the, the number of reward chests being earned by accounts, and still a lot of those potentially being bot accounts, that number just is not going to move the needle fast enough unless outside capital or new players enter the game. And honestly, Chatter has not brought new players to the game at this point in the level that we would need to see that number move significantly. And with SPS airdrop ending, again, when you have free money drying up, that doesn't necessarily mean more money being spent by the existing player base. So again, short-term bearish on that that number. But don't you guys think everyone's holding on to DEC? I mean, what are people going to do with their DEC? I mean, the best value, in theory, is to go buy packs at Peg, right? Oh yeah, no, I've done I've done the math on that as well on a video, Luke. And okay, how many packs was it? Well, I mean, it's not enough to move the needle, honestly. I mean, the DEC, yes, from a perspective, when you see you know people holding millions of DEC going to buy packs with it, millions seems like a lot. But when the the token's worth point zero 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 six, you know, X or whatever, you know, you can have lots of millions of DEC, and it really doesn't equal lots of dollars in the real world. So, um, you know, well, I mean, it's at peg, so they're not getting 0. 0.006 if they're buying packs. They're getting 0.001, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's a rounding error at that point, really. I mean, the when you do the math on the number of DEC that might come into the ecosystem, you know, it's, you know, so maybe one half, half a million packs. I mean, we would have to go back to the video and see the number. But even if you took the top, yeah. if you go to the Peak Monsters dashboard and look at the top holders and just take, let's say, you know, the top 10, and now, granted, a lot of those are holding accounts for liquidity pools and other things, so, so aren't accurate. But just take that top, let's top 10 or whatever, take that and say, let's say 100% of those cashed out into packs and do the math there. It's it's just not the numbers you would imagine. Yeah, Eric is saying 100 million DEC is 25,000 packs. So, yeah, that's still a lot of DEC needed. But hey, you know what? You guys are, again, just you're just bringing me down. I'm going to go higher than that because... I just I'm hopeful for no reason, no good logical reason, but because I just want to be combative towards you two guys. So I'm going to go 11 mil. We have three legendary summoners. Let's go. Let's do it, guys. Come on. Go buy packs. Go buy packs. Everyone <laughs> hit the button quick. <laughs> I think you know, I think there's a, I think there's going to be a good push of packs. I don't know. I mean, you're right. There a million DC is 250 packs. So a million DC isn't going to push the needle too much. But I would imagine that a lot of people have got to be holding on to a good amount of DEC. And what I'm going to be doing, and I think a lot of players are going to be doing, is now, hey, go buy packs. You get to either hold them or, you know, open them and add to your collection. And then secondly, you're getting more airdrop points for the legendary summoners coming. And even though people bought up a lot of packs for the legendary airdrops a long time ago, and they're like, oh, I'm going to get more value out of it. Those previous eight legendary drops aren't worth as much anymore, right? But the legendary summoners, they're going to be juicy. Like, that's what everyone was buying packs for in the first place. So if you're telling me that, like, hey, I have millions and millions of DEC and I can get more airdrops while still having pretty much all the remaining legendary summoners out, I think that's a pretty juicy offer. So, I don't know, in my mind, I, I think we could we could get, see a good 
juicy amount of packs being bought after the SPS airdrop. I don't know if it's going to be 11 million, but my fingers are crossed. <laughs> uh, the other thing um, I was also considering was people will be using DEC also for guilds uh, because we will be getting uh, more rewards. Well, SPS will eventually be coming to guilds as well. So, or for the brawls. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. All right, so we're, we're all uh, agreeing to disagree. So let's go one more. Let's go one more. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think the price of DEC at the end of August? We got SPS airdrop ending. So does it lose its utility and tank from there? It's, is the pack peg enough? Is the split between water, water, <laughs> modern and wild with the doubler of the DEC pool affect things too much? I mean, what do you guys think? Give us a... Mm. Uh, Give us an estimated guess here. I go with 0. 0.0005. Ooh, 50% off packs. Yeah, because that's what Not they're selling bad. on Hive Engine right now. Unless there's a movement in the price of packs on Hive Engine or in the value of cards in Chaos Legion, uh, that's probably what we'll see. I mean, markets will market. You know, if you look at the voucher floor, for example, with nodes, the voucher floor for nodes is $3 right now. But because nodes aren't selling in mass quantities, vouchers are selling for like 50 cents. So the same thing with DEC is most likely to happen. You know, If there's not enough buyers of packs, even though the floor is set at 0. 0.0001, again, if you, know, you got to have a buyer to to pay that virtual peg or floor for it to hold. So let's see. I mean, I hope I'm wrong on all this, but what I can say is that generally speaking, when we look at anything in this bear market, whether it's Chaos Legion packs, whether it's vouchers, you know, any of these things, uh, they've all underperformed even with, you know, peg set or virtual floor set. And uh, this is just the market we're in right now. All right. Jim, going for the point oh oh six nine. Hmm. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think I will this time. Uh, All right, I'll take it. <laughs> a lot. Okay, cool. Uh, I do. I think it'll drop a little bit, and um, I think Steve's kind of right on the money. I think um, dropping down to that point oh oh six, so sixty cents per thousand. I think it'll be around that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. These are some good guesses. I mean, it's kind of depressing because most of us are saying, hey, things are looking bad still in the crypto market. Things are going down. Does that concern you guys or is this just like, hey, sweet, things are down. It's just going to be my time to stack up and I'm still bullish long term. Like what's your has it changed your long term view at all about this game? Uh, well, I mean, markets are going to market, you know, and uh, but for me, I know that people can make a whole lot of money during a bear market that is when you can become a lot more rich than you have been before uh but when a when we're in like a bull market that's when people can just make some money like you have to be there when it's when it's hard times and then it it comes back yeah i mean for me like you know if you go uh, on Amazon, they have those metal finders that you use on the beach or and stuff. Well, I'm looking for dry powder finders. That's that's what I'm investing in right now because I'm trying to find additional monies to, like Jim says, to uh, pack my bags right now. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hashtag play with your bags. Got to get it in there since Rogue yep. isn't here tonight. Shout out to Rogue. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Like everything's down in crypto. Like we can, we can exit, we can quit. But I think for those of us, everyone that's said this before, I mean, everyone's much smarter than me. So don't take my word for it. But, you know, give it two, three, four years down the road. And, you know, now maybe the world's in a better spot again. The whole world economy is better. And as long as, of course, Splinterlands can keep things going, which it seems like they've done before. And if they can figure out some of the issues, I mean, obviously, we've talked about some of the issues already with the game. If they can fix some of the issues, they continue to improve it. And I think the biggest factor is, can they make it continually more and more fun for new players to get into this game i mean no matter what if they don't do that then you know nothing nothing's really going to increase unless there's some uh new players in the game and a new audience wanting to come in as well but i i mean i still enjoy the game i think there's things that they can improve to get new players into the game but as long as they do that and we fix things over time i'm not i'm not changing my opinion about really anything for the next two to three year outlook and I would rather be here playing, having fun, stacking things up over time. And I think that's an interesting point, Luke, is because let's say you take, you know, general figures, let's say, you know, in, let's say Dwayne's period of the game, there was 2000 players playing the game. And let's say at the peak of, you know, untamed type, it was, I don't know, 40 to 50,000 players uh, in the game. Uh, that number is so small in the grand scheme of things. And look at the price action that happened with those numbers. Can you imagine if all of the Magic the Gathering players come over or Hearthstone players or if it even becomes a mainstream game? So, so that's what we're looking for. And that's why I mentioned, you know, the work that Chatter is doing. You know, instead of looking at plushies and things like that and miniatures, yeah, I understand those are side projects or what have you, but if we really truly get the adoption that we're looking for, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah. I feel bad for chatter because everyone points to him. I mean, like he's just the face of the, the marketing, but I think really the whole team probably needs to uh, find some new avenues. And I think part of it too, is what we've heard them speak about before is like, you got to be careful about timing as well, because you don't want to show a product off that isn't ready to be advertised for. And I mean, like for instance, just what was it? a day or two ago was like finally when i can open up my phone and actually see my daily focus and what it is like those types of things are a big problem right for like if a new player is coming in and playing their phone like it's still a garbage app so it's like it's like one of those catch 22s is like okay we need to do more to advertise and bring new players in but it's like also gotta get to the level where it feels like new players can get in and enjoy it so i don't know yeah, it's a really good point. I actually had a comment on my videos um, just this evening talking exactly about that point. And the question was, you know, is there a way to track or report on how many mobile users are, are playing the game right now? And I don't think there is, at least to my knowledge. But the the commenter's point was, you know, we saw a precipitous drop off in daily active users or accounts once the new rank rewards system came out. And a lot of the assumptions were, hey, these are all bots that have been turned off because they need to reprogram. But the the commenter's point was, well, there's a lot of players that maybe have played the game on a mobile device that simply can't uh, right now because they can't do the rank rewards uh, functions and features, right? So that could also be contributing to that decline as well. And we just don't know it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if they're probably truly on their mobile, I would think they would have at least the Hive app because at least on the Hive app, you can log in and see what your daily focus is and claim it. But it is it is a tough workaround. Like you, <laughs> yeah, you have to, like you have to set it all up. It's still not very good. Like playing within the Hive engine, it's awful playing. And then claiming it usually gives you like a lag. You have to un, you have to quit, get back in. So yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested. I think if you're a diehard fan, you'd probably be willing to put in the work, but it's definitely work. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that does change. I'm wondering. So yeah, what do you guys think about Steve's comment? What a uh, giving away $350 to push Splinter on TV over a hundred viewers at once. Yeah, this is an interesting thought. I don't know. I, I'm always like giveaways are such an interesting thing because I feel like a lot of people come for the giveaway and then they leave and they don't actually care. So that's, 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 that's my problem with giveaways. Is, that's actually part of the reason I don't even do giveaways on, on Splinter Lance TV. Like when they yeah. gave me the packs to do it, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give it away. Um, but normally I, I don't really like to. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I want people to be, you know, listening to the stream because they want to be, because they're interested in the game or they want to see the game player want to hear about the game, not because I'm giving away free stuff. Uh, for me, that's just my personal reason. And I know a lot of streamers are very popular because they just give away free stuff. I mean, that's how they, they, they stream and they get subs and all that, which is fine. I mean, that seems like a you know, a circular type of uh, engagement there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think that you know, I've made a video about this as well is the number of, and, and to be clear, Splinterlands TV is making great progress in getting content for Splinterlands out on Twitch and getting attention to that. And we've made, I think it was, uh, I think uh, Ron, Ron was saying it's like 1300, uh, I think followers now we're up to, but it's just a drop, a small drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things. There's there's so many smaller games than us in theory that have a much bigger streaming audience than Splinterlands from a community perspective. So again, there's a lot of work to be done there, um, and it's going to take some time. But the numbers are very very small. I mean, getting a hundred concurrent viewers on a stream when Steve's giving away something like a Mylor is. Um, not not great. I mean, obviously, Steve giving away a Mylor is fantastic, right? But the um, those numbers are still very very small for for what the value was there. Yeah, we're in trouble. Steve in chat says all three of them just maybe stop giving stuff away. <laughs> it's, and it's not uh, giving stuff away. I have a problem with it. it's like how do you give it to the people who deserve it, right, and, and are there for the right reasons rather than I'm here to like literally like. I don't know, like, that's what always bugged me of like, oh, I'm doing a giveaway stream and now viewers are up at 100 versus like when I do normal stream, viewers are up at 30. It's like, okay, to those 30, I do want to reward and give them stuff. Like, I want to say like, thank you. Like, you're awesome. Like, I want to give back to you and helping create this great community. To the 70 who are here just only when we do a giveaway, it's like, that's kind of the annoying part, I guess. It's like, you can't really solve it, I guess. No, you but. could do that at that point. Don't even advertise that you're doing a giveaway. Yeah, well, I've done that before stream. too. Yeah, just give it away at the end or in the middle of it. Be like, oh, giving away stuff yeah. Forever, to people here. Yeah, uh, I will mention in the chat too. Weird Beer is saying that you know Chatter does a lot actually in behind the scenes because I think that that's a problem. And maybe we get him on the show. Actually, uh, would be a good idea because I don't feel like he gets enough FaceTime in the 
town halls to really tell what he's working on doing, just like the quick update. So everyone sees like, oh, he's the guy that did Waka. Oh, he's the guy that did plushies. How is that helping? Oh, he's not doing anything else. It's like, really? Do you think he's not doing anything else? Like he works full time. You think that's all he's done in the last three months? Like, give me a break. Like, I, I don't think... know what he's doing. So maybe it'd be good to actually have him on the show. But I just feel bad for the guy at this point. It's like, OK, maybe those weren't the most successful things. But like, I'm sure that's not all he's doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't get more FaceTime because he doesn't have a beard. I'm fairly <laughs> certain. Fairly certain. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Oh, well. Well, uh, I'm sure we could uh, hit that topic a lot more, but I, I do want to hit up one more before we close off tonight because we're talking about Splinterlands as the card game. But I think one of the interesting things they announced again, I can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, but... Splinterlands expanding out to a multi-game platform. They talked about, hey, we're not using our own developers, but another studio has come on board and uh, they're creating another game. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be able to use your SPS and DEC for payments. Maybe we'll airdrop you stuff. There's no promises. We're still early in the talks. What do you guys think that means for Splinterlands? What does that mean for SPS and DEC? Is that make you guys more bullish? Is that like, uh, who cares? Uh, it probably doesn't matter anyways. What are the implications of this, you guys think? I, I think it's a great thing. Like, best case scenario, we have another thing to use our assets for. Worst case scenario, nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if they're not using their own resources, right, their own yeah. like, developers, yeah. then what's the harm, right? Yeah, exactly. There's no downside really at all. Unless they somehow scam a lot of people and then, you know, run off. But yeah, I think I think just to play devil's advocate, I, I do think there is a downside um, similar to to the sentiment around Waka with, with players. I think there's a lot of people that are holding Waka bags right now and playing with those, you know, so it's if it's something that's not executed well and the community invests in it, whether it's you know, real money or it's time or attention or whatever that happens to be. And it's not done to a good quality level or it's not a, a, a good development team or anything like that. We just don't know the details at this point to say if it's good or bad. Obviously, from a conceptual perspective, um, more game modes and more Splinterlands is a good thing. But, you know, quality control and... Um, I would say strategic positioning are also key to the brand. And if that's not done well, um, you know, the results aren't going to be good. So, you know, I, I'll just wait to see what comes out of it. I'm very hopeful, like as Jim mentions, that it is a value add and it's seen as something that is a fun game and it adds to the value of SPS and DEC and our assets that we already hold. And it's something that I want to also get involved in. You know, worst case scenario, it's Splinterland Solitaire and it's, you know, a drain on the economy and gives the brand another, you know, kind of a, a, a bad uh, mark. But let's see. I, I will say that I'm excited to see what these sports leagues partnerships are going to involve. That to me seems very interesting, depending on what leagues they are and what level of involvement that we're looking at here. That could be the gateway drug, so to speak, uh, uh, to more users and new users, depending on how that works out and, and what that partnership looks like. And I think 
you know, based on that interview with Aggie, I think that's just around the corner here in the next couple of months, a live version of that. So let's see. That could be yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that is a really good point. Going back to Jim's thing of like, there's no downside. I mean, yeah, you're right. There is potentially a downside if the game is flops, it sucks. It, it depends what kind of level it is. It's like, hey, this is a partner. This is like, hey, like we're actually, you know, this is Splinter, Solitaire, Splinter Tear, whatever you want to call it. You know, like what kind of brand does Splinterlands have within the game could maybe affect the reputation. I think that's a, a good thing to think through. And I'm sure at least hopefully they're, they're thinking through those things carefully. I mean, I think the one thing that could be really good is often you'll see, you know, big game companies able to build out another game. And that's just, you know, instant, uh, a win-win for growing both audience. Like, you know, I played League of Legends and now reason why everyone plays Valorant is because League of Legends was so big. The reason why everyone plays Teamfight Tactics. I mean, there's other games that are pretty similar to those games, but everyone knows those because they want to play the Riot version. So if... If they can get more quality to these new games, it could be the fact of like, hey, I want to play Splinterlands RPG. And that's what actually gets me into Splinterlands and gets me into the card game version. So there could be a growth of audience if it is a top quality. And that's that's the big question that we just obviously don't know at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same thing that that Blizzard has as well. It was like, oh, I played Starcraft. I played Diablo 2. I go play WoW. I go play Diablo 3. I'm going to play Diablo Immortal. Maybe I want to then go off and play a shooter, go play Overwatch. You know, what if you played StarCraft? Go play the second one. You want to branch off into the other things. The exact same thing with, like you are saying, with the Riot games. Yeah, and I think one of the disadvantages for Splinterlands has always been it's on the Hive blockchain, which I love the blockchain. It's good stuff. It just doesn't have a huge community, like compared mm-hmm. to some of the things out there. And so when you talk about like, what else game is on Splinter or on Hive? Yes, there's ones being developed. There's other ones we could point to, but nothing that people would really know. It's not like, oh, I came into the Wax blockchain for this game, and now I can explore this thing. And I think having that ability for just more games being on Hive, more more assets for Splinter to spend. So maybe we've talked about, hey, SPS is and DEC is way overinflated. Well, guess what? If if you want to go blow your money on another game, now you can pay with that. And maybe those are another sinks or ways to burn some of those tokens. It could mm-hmm. be. I think a big benefit if done well. So that'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if um, it brings more people into the high blockchain, the community, the ecosystem, and potentially into our tokens that we're all trying to build up right now. Yeah. One one thing I was also thinking about is, you know, say you're into that other game and you're buying assets specifically for that game that aren't necessarily nearly as good as they could be in Splinterlands, you know? then that could also then just increase the value of that one specific asset. And people are like, why? It's not even good in Splinterlands. Why is it $10? Well, it's because this other game, that's why it's $10, you know? Yeah, I want to go play uh, my MMO as Grum. <laughs> don't, don't do that to me, man. Don't give me hope. <laughs> <laughs> if you can play as any character from splinterlands in an mmo who would you choose dude i'm playing a healer okay i have to okay just divine <laughs> healer that's lame uh no no no. i don't think it, it'd probably be a water one that has tank heal and um triage you're a river nymph yeah probably what about you cryptmancer uh selfishly i would be a rusty android because i still need to get rid of that one that i accidentally bought thinking it was a chain golem <laughs> 
<laughs> what? There's a story here. How much did you pay for that? Uh, more than you, I should have. You didn't pay for chain golem prices, no, did no, you? No, no, no. Okay. No. Oh my gosh. That would have been that would have been a sad, sad day. Oh, awesome. Well, uh, anything else you guys have been thinking about as far as Splinter Lines? Anything else you have uh, been seeing in the chat that we want to close out with? Or are we good? No, I mean, just a shout out to Weirdbeard in the chat, you know, hanging out um, in the chat stream and, you know, being a part of the community and, you know, definitely with the passion that he brings. I appreciate that. So thanks, Rick. Yeah, MVP. Weirdbeard out here every single day. I wonder how much he works. Probably way too much, huh? I see him everywhere, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely going to be one of the, the big pieces of marketing if we can actually get more tournaments and esports going as well. And I know he has plans, got good plans coming up. So I'm excited for that. We'll see how that goes. But I, I he's been talking about so many juicy things. Like, I just want him to be here already. Like, why do we have to wait? <laughs> Story of crypto, story of Splinterlands, story of my life. Yeah. Patience, 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 everyone. Eventually we'll get there. Well, uh, it looks like uh, we can wrap up. I got other things to do. I'm going camping tomorrow, so I need to pack up anyway. So probably not bad Ooh. that we're ending slightly early tonight. So, awesome. Jim, anything you want to shout? Anything you're working on? Any uh, place of content you want to point to people? You know, my, my main squeeze, uh, hobbies and happiness... Uh, we do online content for tabletop gaming, whether it's card games or board games. Uh, we are starting to do a bit more digital content as well. And um, yeah, just uh, if you guys are interested in board games, card games, come check us out. Sweet. And Cryptmancer, anything you want to shout out today? Uh, not specifically. Thanks for having me on the show. It's always good uh, to chat with the panels here and have good discussions uh, along with the uh, the community here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, check me out on YouTube if you like. And we're on uh, Twitch as well, um, Saturday evenings and Sunday evenings on Spongebob's TV. Yeah, well, if you don't want to shout out, I'll shout out. Go watch all of his recent videos because they're the, they're the spiciest Spongebob's videos around, I feel like. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, thank you guys for being here. I'm, of course, Luke. And thank you guys. It's been a while. So it's been good to catch up with you, too. And as well as the chat, hopefully we can get back into a regular rhythm until I leave for Europe in the end of July. So we'll probably take another long break then. Summer is wild. Summer is crazy. So we'll uh, we'll do as many episodes as we can. But for now, peace out. See you guys on streams later or at Balthazar videos. Take care. Bye.